Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, I'm Matt Chorley, and this is Politics Without the Boring Bits, rounding off Christmas week with a very special episode. We've got the final instalment of the Columnists Focus Group, our favourite Times writers, on their Christmas traditions. On the subject of traditions, we've got the Times Radio Panto, Kinocchio, When You Wish Upon a Starmer. And just to flag, uh, coming up over the Christmas period, while other podcasts might be taking a break, none of that nonsense here, we are going to bring you the political editors series where I spoke to every Times political editor for the last half century and then all next week uh, we'll bring you some of the uh, highlights of the year in case you missed them. We'll return with some brand new content on Tuesday, January the 2nd but plenty for you to listen to particularly if you're out and about and travelling over the course of uh, the Christmas week and if you like what you hear here on the podcast you can of course join me for Politics Without the Boring Bits live on Times Radio back on January the 2nd as on your DAB radio, on your smart speaker or download the Times Radio app as politics without the boring bits weekdays from 10. Now, as we always do on a Friday, let's take a look at what we learned this week. We learned that Michelle Moan is denied trying to sabotage the sheep costumes in the nativity. I wasn't trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. We learned that the Red Box podcast has got a new name. What is it, Rishi Sunak, Keir Starmer, Ed Davey and Lindsay Hoyle? Politics without the boring bitch. Politics without the boring bitch. Politics without the boring bitch. We learned that thick as mash, Andrew Bridgen has left the Reclaim Party. Thank you, baby. We learned that Jeremy Hunt is getting into the festive spirits. If Santa borrowed £28 billion, he might have more toys to give out this year, but he'd also have debt interest to pay and fewer toys to give out next year. We learned that Labour's Diana Johnson might have spotted a flaw in Rishi Sunak's Rwanda plan. I want to get flights off as soon as practically possible. We need some planes to do that. Uh, we do. Yeah, you do. Uh, we learned that Mel Stry, the Working Pension Secretary, thinks that Labour's massive poll lead is actually tiny. If I was a Labour politicians sitting here, I would not be saying it's all in the bag, we've got this sorted. They don't do that. They don't, and they're right not to, because that lead that they have, I think, is wafer thin. It's not deep. 20-odd percent, it? It's a why. I've accepted I that it's why. I bigger wafers in your house. <laughs> Prompting Kay Burley to ask what are the questions of the year. I bigger your wafers in your house. And we learned that Wes Streeting does a great impression of Rachel Reeves. These were inadvertent mistakes and will be rectified in future reprints. Rachel Reeves. Wow. Can I just say, for the the sake of the future funding of the NHS, 
NHS, please delete my Rachel Reeves impression. Right. <laughs>And that is what we learned this week. Now time for the final instalment of The Columnist's Focus Group. The Columnist's. Yeah, all this week we've been hearing from James Marriott, Robert Crampton, Alice Thompson, Matthew Bell, Libby Purvis, Manvin Rana, all in the Times Radio Columnist's festive focus group. We've heard what they've thought about the year in politics, but today we're going to be a bit more festive. We're going to find out how they're celebrating Christmas. But first, I asked them to make the case for what they think is the best Christmas song, starting with Robert Crampton. Well, this is a bit of an obvious one. Big respect goes out to Libby with a, a fabulous column on Shane McGowan the other day. Uh, so it's got to be Fairy Tale in New York. The boys of the Although I do, I'm, I'm a real sucker for Christmas carols and hymns as well. I love pretty much all of them. And I also like Last Christmas. Which is a great song. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll go, with, I'll go with Pogues. Very good. Very good. Libby, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I love Fairy Tale of New York. It's absolutely, it's the best of the Christmas songs of the carols. I think to me, it's always a little town of Bethlehem. Because it seems to me that there's something about the idea in everybody's heart of being in a little town. You know, people know each other. It's a little tribal sort of, sort of a group. It's neighbours, a little town of Bethlehem. It's not a big, scary city and it's not the remote rural countryside. Everybody has a feeling in their heart for a little town. But really, I mean, fairy tale is, is kind of it. <laughs> As I wrote at enormous length, <laughs> emotionally and in tears on Sunday afternoon. Your, your, your play into to small town sounds like a Lisa Nandy policy proposal when she was doing... <laughs> Uh, levelling up. I didn't know a little town of Bethlehem was, was so well, levelling up. It, when there are people like possibly you, I do not know, who have escaped from small towns in the past. I have. Um, By the way, I live in a small town now. I quite like living in a small to, town now. escape to the city and feel better about it, you see. People are a bit down on little towns because they think, oh God, that's the place I had to leave. But actually... It, people's hearts and when they have children they all yeah. it's like all these central londoners right now they all push off to st albans and places you know because they feel cozier there and they can afford more than half a room there we are there we are this is why yeah i live in a little town james your favorite christmas song uh i think there's a common misconception that the best christmas song is fairy tale of new york the best christmas pop song which i don't know if everyone recognized by the title is called christmas rapping by the waitresses And it's a lovely song. It's got a beautiful kind of romantic narrative. It's very Christmassy. It's much overlooked. Uh, I, I, like Robert, I'm obsessed with Christmas carols. And I'm obsessed with, um, at the moment, the haunting carol, Jesus Christ the Apple Tree. Which is an extended analogy between Jesus Christ and an apple tree that doesn't always make logical sense, but is a very, very beautiful Christmas Carol. Lovely. I see you've gone lowbrow and highbrow there, James, covering all the bases. Yeah. Uh, Alice, your your favourite Christmas song? The song I can't stop singing is it's beginning to feel a bit like Brexit. And that was because I spent yesterday and today rushing around with the MPs and it did feel like Brexit again. I was just like, 
that sense of appalled excitement, really, um, and MPs, you know, almost unable to contain themselves in the weeks before just because it was quite fun and they want to have a bit of a rebellion and they've just gone completely nuts. It's too much sugar, really, too much hot chocolate, too many mince pies. Madame V, your favourite Christmas song? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to be very boring and agree with Fairytale of New York. I think that's one that everyone's oh, going to be everyone's going to be listening to again and again this Christmas for many reasons. Um, but I'm also a sucker for a, for a good Christmas carol. Uh, I used to be in the choir when I was at school and we used to have to perform the carols. And there was this one year where I remember we sort of had like Mick Jagger and Jerry Hall in the audience. And it was sort of like the highlight of, I think, I think that's where I peaked. That was like the highlight of my singing career <laughs> it's been downhill ever since but I, I i i love a good christmas carol i think i'd probably give silent night anyone else anyone else a singer what can i can i tell you which is the worst christmas song Have you heard yes that? that's better okay Cher, she's 77, she's got a new Christmas song out and it's called uh, DJ Play Me A Christmas Song. And I tell you, once you've heard it, you can't unhear it. It's round and round in your yeah. head forever. But, but also, it doesn't have any bells on it. It's not a proper Christmas song. If you took the word Christmas out, it doesn't sound like any... It's not Christmassy. <laughs> I think I think the worst, the really worst, the worst has to be um, the little boy that Santa Claus forgot. He's the little boy that Santa Claus forgot. And goodness knows he didn't want to lie. Uh, I once heard Bill Oddie singing that in our pub. <laughs> None of us is really over it. <laughs> I think entire traumatized village. I think mistletoe and wine is pretty bad. Christmas time, mistletoe and wine. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna chuck into the mix. Uh, I've recently rediscovered it while we're putting up our Christmas tree this year. Uh, a very wobbling Christmas. We wish you a wobbling Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't have a word said against really... the wobbling. Really. Really, really good. Properly catchy. That is my girlfriend's favourite Christmas song, so I have to hear it a lot. Yeah, it's very good. And um, I'm also a fan of Dominic the Donkey. It's Dominic the Donkey. Oh, God, no, that's dreadful. That's below that one. That's awful. Hang on. Wasn't he in inquiry? Yes, exactly. Jiggity jing. E-R, E-R. It's Dominic the Donkey. It's really good. Yeah, and I'll chuck in Step Into Christmas by Elton John. Obviously, it's part of my ongoing bid to... Um, I don't like Elton John. No, we've established <laughs> <laughs> Robert, you all have your, your different uses on the show. Like um, Elton Matthew, John's the main one. Matthew, Matthew is obviously at one of the Matthews that's paired up with Manveen. James, we just bully... He writes a column and then we get someone on to explain to him what he's wrong <laughs> about good. everything. And uh, Robert just takes against things um, <laughs> gratuitously. And one of them was... Uh, what are the other things you've been against this year? Strawberry jam, picnics, <laughs> uh, hot weather. <laughs> no, I don't take... They're not things that I take against. They're things that I think are overrated. Yeah, that's right, which is very important. Very important. Right, very good. So, finally, let's turn our attention to how you'll be spending Christmas. And do you have any weird traditions? 
Uh, right, uh, Matthew Bell, what happens in your house at Christmas that doesn't happen anywhere else? We always go to my wife's family, and she's got a huge family in Lancashire, and it's just very straightforward turkey walks, all that kind of thing. Um, but with so many turkey people... walks? No, no, turkey. Then we go for a walk, you know, or, or other oh, way yeah. Go to church. I was picturing like a turkey on a piece of string. But, but, <laughs> but the thing we do do is Secret Santa, which I know, Matt, you would hate, because it's, um, you know, that's breaking with tradition. So we only give one present um, each. So it's very, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's cost effective. It sounds so much easier, so much less stressful. One present for the whole of Christmas. Yeah, because basically you say what you want up to, say, I don't know, £100, £200. And instead of getting 20 things each worth £5, which are horrible, you just get one thing you actually and like. you can say what it should be. Yeah. It doesn't even need to be a secret. And, and do, you, do you find out who's given it to you? So, you, so I now know who I've got. And so you've got, you know, before you're told by this algorithm who you've got, and it changes every year. And then you get but a then for you, But for you to find out what they want for two, <laughs> 200 pounds, yeah. you need to reveal the fact that you are buying for it's just that's just a that's just a way of getting out of buying enough do, Christmas do, presents. Do you like enter the draw with the thing that you want, a bit like a wedding list? Do you just like put out the, the, the this is me yeah, and somebody so you'll, picks? You'll never it. It's like it's like getting married every year. It's great. An algorithm doesn't sound very Christmassy <laughs> to me. It seems slightly smaller. The future is AI. Well, Matthew, what, 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 what are you hoping to get, Matthew? What's on your wish list then for £200, your single, your one singular present at Christmas? Uh, I want a really good pair of walking boots because they always fall apart. Good walking boots are invaluable. Anyway, it's too boring. Well, me too, when you're out walking a turkey. <laughs> turkey, yeah. <laughs> Libby, Libby, what does Christmas look like in your house? Well, this year we, we've got the jackpot. I like it the more, the, the more the merrier. So we're 16 around the table. Wow. Wow. Um, which, which involves a certain amount of sort of cramp, crampness and stools and things. Um, but a lot of extended family, the American lot are coming over. They're their two children, my nephew and his wife and his American wife and their two children. And we've also bagged the latest great nephew, who's absolutely hilarious and 18 months old and always good fun. And um, so we, we're, a lot of us around the table uh, extended in various directions, family and in-laws and so on. Nice. And um, we do, we're very, very traditional. And we always have the Queen's message, and now there's no Queen. And this is going to be quite a serious, serious sort of gap in our lives because we'll have the King's message, and it's sort of not so exciting because it'll be. I mean, the Queen's was always quite dull, you know. But I bet he can he can beat that. Well, it depends what tie um, he's wearing. He might be wearing a, a yeah. Rwandan tie by uh, no. We'll, by we'll, of course, day. we'll 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 watch. Yeah. You know, we'll all. Uh, we used to have a thing of we will eat at one o'clock and we will be there for the Queen's message sort of live as it were. But since it's recorded anyway, that doesn't matter. So we'll eat a bit later and uh, and do that. But Paul does all the cooking. That's I mean I am very lucky. I am in charge of everything else: presents and tables and crackers and all the sort of just, um, being in touch and sending everybody Christmas cards to his relatives and so on. But he does the cooking. He has an outdoor oven uh, in which he will cook the turkey out of doors. So wow. the stove is, is free for everything else. And he will do every kind of vegetable you have ever heard of. And there will be some kind of row about how the sprouts get done, because um, that's my job. Very to good. Put my oar in there. So, no, very, very traditional. I, I love it. I, I really like it you know, every, every year. Fabulous. Uh, do you all buy each other presents? Are you more fun than yeah. Matthew? Paul and I have got a non-aggression pack this year. <laughs> We're just doing each other's stockings because obviously we all still have to have stockings. Um, so, but no, we're quite into sort of presents, stupid presents. I'm very good at really awful T-shirts 
for the young men in in the family. You know, I feel they, they need T-shirts with embarrassing slogans on. Excellent. Sometimes from the... Um, and, and also, I'm good at the babies. I'm really good at presents for the Oh, yeah, I love it. When you, when well, you acquire, when company, you acquire the, a baby, the, the family that you can buy presents for, that is excellent. All girl babies and small girls have to have a T-shirt from the RSC saying, you know, she may be little, but she is fierce on a bright pink T-shirt. That's a great, great favourite. Then there's Exit Pursued by a Bear and, and so on. And then there's all the sort of really awful science ones for the for the, the geeky members of the extended family, you know, who have to have ones with sort of sort of periodic tables and stuff on them. I, I, I do all that. I like that. It's my job. Very good. Very good. That sounds nice and Christmassy and a bit more fun <laughs> in Matthew's house. James, what does Christmas look like in your house? Oh, God. I want to go to Christmas at Libby's. It sounds <laughs> right up my street. I've got a T-shirt for you already. I've got a T-shirt. I, <laughs> I know. I want Libby to get me a, a, a T-shirt with a Shakespeare slogan on. That would be my ideal Christmas. Um, I was thinking of geeky, actually. Intellectual, actually. Um, <laughs> Um, no, I'm the last pillar of Christmas tradition in my family, unfortunately. I'm going to try and be forcing everyone to go to Midnight Mass, trying to force everyone to listen to carols. But um, no, I, I'm often fighting a bit of a losing battle against <laughs> against my family on this. So, um, yeah, I will do my... I don't think I'm going to go to Christmas to Midnight Mass, but I'll be trying to make it a traditional Christmas. I'm basically the, the Libby, but without the compliance. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Manveen, what does Christmas look like in your house? Um, I mean, uh, I'm just listening to Libby. I was just thinking, wouldn't it be great if you did get a live version of the King's speech? Because I'd love to hear what the King actually yeah. thinks after a good lunch. Just after yeah. a couple of sherries. I yeah. think <laughs> that would be a joy. Somebody make that happen. Um, for us, it's always, uh, it's always sort of like slightly competitive cooking. So my brother, who doesn't cook all year round and only ever eats out or keeps delivery in business suddenly takes to the kitchen uh, and it's it's the messiest most epic earthquake looking sort of disaster by the end of it but he will do the turkey uh, and he in the past he's even made his own cranberry sauce which we were all very impressed by um i there's no there's point, no point. and it that. took far too long and it i don't tell him but it did it tasted worse than the the the, the jar version but he hasn't done that again. He hasn't done that again. Um, and I only actually taught myself to cook during the pandemic because I had no other choice. Um, but I sort of ended up only learning the things that I really missed. So I will probably make the starter, but it always tends to be sort of something like a cheese souffle. So I can't do basics. I can't do anything actually useful, but um, it'll be something sort of bonkers like that. And we do we do, crack, we do crackers lovely. early in the morning so that everyone has to wear a silly hat all day because it sets the tone. All day. The hat, the hat must be on, be on all, day. all day. Uh, finally, then Robert Crampton. I mean, I'm, you you seem like a man who wears a paper hat all the, <laughs> the, the entire Christmas period. I've got a special glittery kind of red Stetson that I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I like wear. When Santa was a cowboy. Yeah, like a, <laughs> yeah, kind of. I go kind of full village people on it, and uh, I'll be up in East Yorkshire at my uh, brother-in-law's house with about, similar to Libby, about 15, 16 people, I think, for lunch, brothers and uh, cousins and nephews. There's a new addition whose name, uh, the baby, was born a couple of months ago, and I've been spending the last 10 minutes desperately trying to remember her name, but uh, I can't. <laughs> that's my uh, 
Oh, Maeve. She's called Maeve. <laughs> well, nicely I, rescued. I think a mince pie might be needed to persuade the producer to edit that bit out. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see whether or not we get a photo of, of uh, Robert wearing his uh, sparkly red set, set. I think. The one thing that I, don't, I think this is a Yorkshire, East Yorkshire, kind of maybe East Midlands thing as well, is that you have pork pie for breakfast on, at Christmas. I don't know if they do that. In, I don't think they do that in other parts of the country. No, I like the sound of that. Yeah, I think it's probably from sort of Melton Mowbray upwards and across a bit so east anyway in east yorkshire it's all about pork pie for breakfast on its own a whole one each you have it with a tomato and some mustard and some sliced bread does everyone set fire to the pudding i need yeah to yeah know. yeah do that yeah yeah we, we do that we had a brilliant year because we had some amazing romanian plum brandy nice. and it was so alcoholic that, that i mean that the flames actually shot up to the ceiling yeah and that's the yeah the you want that that's what you yeah. want you want that what about you matt uh well uh, much like uh, Libby's husband, I used to do the cooking on Christmas Day. And this year, our 22-year-old announced that her and the 14-year-old are going to cook. Cool. And so we are going to go to the pub <laughs> because I will be really annoying if I'm in the house. <laughs> going, oh, you don't want to do that? Yeah, oh, you don't want to do that? for? So we're going to go out and I'm pretty confident we're going to come back to find every single pan, tray bowl other receptacles will have been found that we didn't know we had which yeah. could be dirtied uh in the process of uh, producing the uh, the christmas dinner but so for the first time in well certainly the, we've been married for 15 years this year so definitely for 15 years i will have christmas dinner cooked for me which i'm, I'm quite looking forward to whether or not we're told it might be ready for two o'clock i suspect <laughs> it might expect five possibly even expect clash five. with the king yeah exactly yeah but we've been to the pub by that point, so it'll be fine. Yeah. So, um, and uh, and unlike normal people, we'll, we'll all be giving each other presents uh, <laughs> rather than the weird, austere, just buy your own, just buy your own bloody walking boots, Matthew, and cancel Christmas. You, know, you, have, to, you have to try them on anyway, won't you? you yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what, what do you do? Just exchange bank details on the day. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, very good. Well, thank you so, thank you so much for, for uh, sharing your Christmas messages and for joining us all this week with the um, uh, festive focus group. Uh, thank you to Alice Thompson, Robert Crapton, James Marriott, Matthew Bell, Manvin Rana and Libby Purvis and uh, those that could not be with us this Christmas because uh, they weren't available. Rachel Sylvester, Matthew Paris, Indian Night and all the other Matthews who've joined Manvin this year, including at least one Matthias, um, <laughs> it turned out. Uh, thank you so much. Happy Christmas to you all. We look forward to seeing you in the new year. Happy Christmas. Christmas. Happy Christmas. Don't forget, you can read the very best political analysis every day in The Times and The Sunday Times. Just get yourself a subscription at thetimes.co.uk. Up next, it's the Panto Kinocchio, when you wish upon a starmer. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. 
Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Big Thing. Once upon a time's radio in a land land far away... There lived an old master of his craft who longed for an heir one day. The truth is you can't go on forever. And of course, it's hard to let go, but it's also right. A tale of good and bad, truth and lies, it really is a rodeo. So come and wish upon a starmer in the tale of Kinokio. When you wish upon a star, make no difference who you are. So sit back, relax and kick off your shoes Apologies if some of the words do not rhyme But forgive us, it's been a busy year But we hope you all enjoy the pantomime Jepper Tony Blair was lonely And not even the company of his old cat George was enough to placate him Now would you like me to be the cat? After years and years of waiting, Jeppatoni was so desperate for the air that it eluded him that he carved one out of wood. His creation was wooden and stilted, but if you squinted, it looked almost like a real boy politician. Before he went to bed, Jeppatoni wished upon the evening star that Kinocchio would come to life. And then, late at night... The blue fairy arrived and cast her spell. Where there is discord, may we bring harmony. Where there is error, may we bring truth. Where there is doubt, may we bring faith. And where there is despair, may we bring hope. Tiny Kinocchio was desperate to show that he really believed in the blue fairy. Doesn't mean I agree with what she did, but I don't think... Anybody could suggest that she didn't have a driving sense of purpose. But she would only grant his wish partially. Kinocchio would come to life, but he was still a bit wooden and must prove himself yet worthy of being a real boy politician. Kinocchio knew that he was a lucky little puppet and would tell anyone who listened about his creator. I grew up in a pebble dash semi. Dad was a toolmaker. He realised he could delight a crowd with the same two anecdotes. I'm trying really hard not to mention the house I grew up in again. But seriously, that pebble dash semi... He had some unusual dietary requirements. A little bit of fish, a little bit of cheese. He may have looked like a real boy politician on the outside, but on the inside, he remained hollow, causing conspiracies to be spread by the outspoken Twitterer Giles Corran. Keir's got this massive head, which you feel that you could take the top off and lots of rishis would climb out of it. Keir Nokia was still learning the basics when it came to sounding like a normal human being. Good morning. You having a nice day? 
he could probably do with some lessons in how to speak, or what he might call... Oracy, as some academics call it. Oracy. 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 And in those early days, he had a funny little chap, badly dressed and quite annoying, acting as his friend and conscience, called Jiminy Corbyn. Let me thank Keir Starmer. And Kinocchio was pleased to have him. I want to pay tribute to Jeremy Corbyn, who energised our movement and who's a friend as well as a colleague. But in one dramatic night, Jiminy Corbyn lost his way and an election, no matter what some once eminent philosophers, including a Mr Chomsky, might say. Jeremy Corbyn won an enormous victory in 2017. No, he didn't. He didn't. Yes, the biggest victory that Labour had won in a generation. No, he wasn't. He lost. He didn't become Prime Minister. Increasingly frustrated, Gepatoni sent his boy Kinocchio off to school to learn how to be a proper boy politician. Education, education and education. But Kinocchio thought he'd already learned all the lessons he needed from Jiminy Corbyn. He'd learned them by rote. He promised to abolish tuition fees, increase income tax for the top 5% of earners, defend free movement between Britain and the EU, abolish the House of Lords and renationalise rail, mail, energy and water. And it all worked brilliantly. Then, one day, Kinocchio headed off to Westminster School again to play with the big boys. But he became sidetracked by the wily fox Boris Johnson and his simpleton accomplices. And they tried to draw him into their circus by calling him names. Captain Hindsight is rising rapidly up the ranks and has become general indecision. Captain Crasheruni Snoozefest. Sabir Korma. He's just a great pointless human bollard. The great gaseous zeppelin of his pomposity has been permanently punctured. Kinocchio could not believe his eyes. What a circus. The travelling circus was controversial, with protesters gathering up to one deep in places. The travelling circus is controversial, with protesters gathering up to one deep in places, wielding a yellow hammer, a cannon, a blue door, a yellow digger and a blue wall. The man whose name I'll remember any minute now, it's uh, 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 Dave Eddy. Anyway, he wasn't happy. It's time to end this conservative circus. It's time... To get these clowns out of- Nobody took any notice of the protester. Kinocchio decided that he didn't want to be friends with Jiminy Corbyn anymore. In fact, he denied that they'd ever been friends in the first place. No, not in the I mean not in the sense that we were, you know, went to visit each other or anything like that. I worked with him as a colleague. Which was funny because he definitely paid tribute to Jiminy Corbyn. Who's a friend as well as a colleague? Yet now Kinocchio had become trapped by his own promises like a bird in a cage. Then suddenly the blue fairy appeared and started wondering what he's up to. So he's in a dilemma. He likes to set his policies according to the prevailing wind, but he's not quite sure which way it's blowing. So he resorts to his usual tactic. The less he has to say, the more he says it. Feeling trapped and realising he needed a new plan, Kinocchio cleverly decided to carry on like he never said those things. And each time he changed his tune, his nose grew, but so did his poll ratings. 
So where he once said... Tuition fees, there's a huge debt for young people that they carry with them for a very long time. And that's why we rightly committed at last election to get rid of tuition fees. Now, he said... We are likely to move on from that commitment because we do find ourselves in a different financial situation. And his nose grew. Where once he promised to increase income tax for the top 5% of earners, now... We are in a different situation now because obviously I think we've got the highest tax burden since uh, World War II. And then where we promised to nationalise rail and mail and energy and water, now, he says... There are many things that... I mean, I've looked at uh, common ownership in all the plans that we've made. We've been through COVID um, and looking at the cost of common ownership, we've had to make a decision about what realistically we can do. And his nose grew and grew and grew. So a more confident Pinocchio decided to strike out on his own, determined to carve out his own path. But he bumped into some more naughty boys who tried to get him embroiled in their schemes on Displeasure Island, where all the boys and girls can be as naughty as they like. Look over there, there's a naughty boy not wearing a seatbelt. Now I'm out and about seeing levelling up in action. And now he's trying to get people to go to a fanciful place which may or may not actually exist. Rwanda. 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 And then he just started saying whatever popped into his head, making up that things were being threatened just so that he could stop them. The proposal that we should force you to have seven different bins in your home. I've scrapped it. He began lashing out to every object and person he set eyes on, including the local ice cream man. He's not just the softy, he's the flaky too! But then he realised everyone would stop talking to him. Right, who's next? Anyone else? All good? No, no others from you? Any, right, anyone else have some questions before we get over to the media? OK, gosh, this is very quiet. And then he went off into the woods trying to find some mucky books hidden in the bushes. So all the kind of riders, rivals, polo, man and just jealous. And there is James not so cleverly, going around trying to get people to say another word for guano. Batshit. 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 So many naughty, naughty boys. There's naughty Nadim insisting he's not been diddling his pocket money. Dopey Dominic denies being a bully. I am confident that I have behaved professionally throughout. Terrible Therese wants to get all the children to eat dirty, unpleasant things she found in the ground. Uh, A lot of people would be eating termits right now. Fiendish Farage is also struggling with his lunch. A camel udder. Wow. And a sheep udder with a cow's teat. Loopy Lizzie still trying to explain that she did nothing wrong. I'm... I can't, I can't say it was anything but extremely difficult. And who is this coming rolling over the hill in... What's that? A camper van? I could not have anticipated in my worst nightmares what would have unfolded over uh, the past few weeks. For legal reasons, we must stress that Nicola Sturgeon has been released without charge, denies any wrongdoing, and the police investigation continues. And then sometimes the naughty boys and girls fall out amongst themselves, like when Matty and Izzy had a big fight over his messages. Uh, I think you can easily surmise whether Matt Hancock is my friend at this point. Oh, shame. Well, Displeasure Island is cursed. And because they're all behaving like jackasses, the magic of the island turns them into donkeys. In fact, everyone seems to be braying like donkeys. 
Kinocchio used his knowledge of donkeys to avoid the same fate. My mum and dad had four children, and as we each left home, they replaced us with a donkey. In fact, he can't stop talking about donkeys. They've obviously found the donkey for their nativity. Hey, ching-a-dee-ching, it's Dominic the donkey. They say the home is where the heart is. And for Kinocchio... I grew up in a pebble-dash semi. Then he tried to return home to Tony Blair's centrist dad fest or the Future of Britain conference. My dad was a toolmaker. Yet now it was Tony who was all at sea. In the years to come, wherever I am, whatever I do, I'm with you. Wishing you well. And Kinocchio risked being swallowed alive by whales, where Labour's record on schools and hospitals is bad. He tried to escape, but was only allowed to move at 20 miles an hour. In fact, Kinocchio wasn't good with speed limits. What's the speed limit on a dual carriageway? 60. No, no, no. So instead, he lit a fire in Big Mark Drakeford's belly. You think you turn up here this afternoon and claim some sort of moral high ground? What sort of world do you belong in? First time for everything. But it was short-lived and the mild beast slipped back into obscurity. Cafilli is a cheese I really like, but actually there's a lot of cheeses uh, I like and I'll be eating some of it over this weekend. Kianokio fears he's lost his way and tries to return home to the warm bosom of Jeppatoni's centrist dad fest or the Future of Britain conference. But Jeppatoni is all at sea, warning that unlike in his day, things can't only get better. What you're going to inherit next year is it's grim, right? He did not like to blow his own trumpet, but... The flute was what I was best at. The violin and piano took uh, sort of slightly uh, further back uh, down the rankings. Feeling like a big boy now, Kinocchio decided to update his Tinder profile. Dynamic, agile, strong and above all, focused. So Kinocchio rushed home to celebrate with his friend Angela the Cat, who knows just a tipple to toast his success. Venom is a great drink. So when I do it, I do it for the masses. I don't do it for small quantities, just to qualify that before I say it. It's a litre of absolute vodka, a litre of Southern Comfort, about 10 bottles of Blue Wicked and a litre of orange juice. It's really good. And I promise you, whoever comes to your party will have a great night. But not everyone who comes to Kinocchio's party was welcome. Let me be very clear about that. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn will not stand... Uh, what I said about the party changing, I meant... He was also not very polite about people who'd had a party before. People up and down the country looked at my party, looked at how we'd lost our way, not just under Jeremy Corbyn, but for a while. In fact, he was really burying one of his predecessors. Luckily, he's already got a headstone. These six pledges are now carved in stone. What he really needed was a sprinkling of magic, a dusting of glitter. True democracy is citizen-led. Politics. But when someone nonsense. tried to help, he got really cross. I didn't want that idiot to uh, interrupt that, and I don't want that idiot to dominate what I've got to say today. And yet, Kinocchio still hoped to be turned into a real boy politician. But he was made to wait and wait 
for the Red Fairy to come and grant his wish. Whatever it takes Or how my heart breaks I will be right here waiting for you Sue Gray With a flash of light and a wave of her magic wand and a swish of her partygate report, suddenly he was a real boy politician who could walk the walk and talk the talk and joke the jokes. I would say that this treaty's got more holes in than the Swiss cheese, but I don't want to wind up the Prime Minister by talking about a European country again. Forget the private jet, he's he's on a private planet of his own. From up yours to laws to take our money, Kigami. So, boys and girls, the moral of the story is that when you wish upon a starmer, dreams might come true. And young Kinokyo got to be a real boy politician. But learned his lesson that just saying what people want to hear, regardless of what you've said before, is the way to a bigger poll rating. But is he ready to be Prime Minister? No strings attached. Well, that's another story. Thank you for listening to Politics Without the Boring Bits. If you've been with us for a while, why not tell your friends about us in person or better still on social media? It's the perfect Christmas present because it's free. If you want to get in touch with any thoughts or comments, you can email me, matt at times.radio. But for now, for me, Matt Chorley, Merry Christmas and goodbye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.